my sleep troubles are well documented on the show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was thinking of like if if we if there was like a tech angle to it, or if there was a like if there was a business opportunity to be had, and the only thing I fear more than um, either going to sleep or waking up is uh, like loss aversion. So what if there was like a thing where there was like a consequence to not getting up out of bed? Like a financial one. Okay. So like how hard would it be to figure out a way where like if I don't get up and go to my like my desktop Mac, so that proved I was out of bed, that like if I didn't do that every day by like 545, every five minutes I'm over, it would donate 20 bucks to Mitch McConnell's reelection campaign. <laughs> like there needs I feel like because I've looked at sleep technology and like there's the thing um and I think this is around the early 2000s where there was like a thing called I think it's called like clocky it's like a robot alarm clock that you have to chase to turn off like it's it's got wheels but I don't think that would work for me because I've tried all the stuff where I even have like oh another cell phone across the room where I have to get up out of bed to turn it off and then I'll just go right back to bed so I was thinking, yeah, like the fear of giving money to Mitch McConnell that I can never get back seems like that might scare me into, like, I hope I'm a morning person, but I'm really not, but to kind of fix my sleep schedule. I think that's the drug, the pharmaceutical free version of this. So I, I assume I can get, I can put this on, um, on Craigslist and somebody can code it for me. So you, you know that I'm not a Dr. Carlos. I only pretend to be one on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, take this for what it's worth, mm-hmm. but I feel like you're sort of solving the wrong problem because isn't well, that's, that's the, the American way. <laughs> isn't the reason you're having such trouble waking up in the morning is because you weren't able to sleep the night before. And don't you think if you were to solve the sleep thing that you'd be able to get up easier? Yeah, but I, I, I think that's tougher to enforce. Like, there's no way that if I'm not in bed by 11, like, there's no way the computer would know that I'm actually deep asleep. To avoid giving money to Mitch McConnell. Have you ever tried Benadryl? No. So, like, I mean, because I've had I've had a little bit of sleeping trouble recently, just given there's lots of things happening, and I'm haven't been in my home for five weeks. Um, and I've I've found that one Benadryl, so they go, you can do one or two of the standard size. Uh, little gel pill thingies. Can I ask, is this on-brand Benadryl or Kirkland Benadryl knockoff? Uh, this is actually the uh, the Walgreens knockoff brand, which is unfortunately not. They don't they don't use the the nice uh, brand with their um, pharmaceuticals, which is which is it's like Wall Drill or something. I think I think I, I think oh, that's like literally, literally what that. it's called. <laughs> no, it is. And then somebody, oh, this was a Twitter thing. A couple. Okay, keep keep talking. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't use it a ton, but if, if I'm having a little bit of trouble sleeping, um, it's become kind of a go-to for me. And I used to take two and the downside was I'd wake up feeling like really, really groggy. Like I'd sleep well, but I just would wake up feeling groggy. But if I take one, it still helps me fall asleep and stay asleep. And then I don't wake up feeling quite as groggy. Yeah. I'm very much opposed to taking medicine that I don't need. Like I know people will sometimes advocate for either Benadryl or NyQuil. And I know that's why they make uh, ZQuil, which is genius marketing, where they just take out all the active medical ingredients. But still... That, that's just, I mean, that's just 
rebranded melatonin, isn't it? No, there's something. Or it's not, it's not even that. It's like um, some kind of herbal thing, right? Like all natural. Is that, is that code for drugs? Or for, anyway. Well, actually, no. There's some real-time follow-up. I think I looked into this. There's like with that zquil. I don't know how you say it out loud. You're saying it like Siri would say it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, the Siri just wouldn't know what I was talking about and would just offer to uh, do a web search for me. <laughs> um, I think there's two different types. I think there's there's a version that's got all the you know the the standard like drugs in it, and then there's another version that's yeah some kind of herbal thing. Got it. Yeah, no, it definitely has whatever diphenhydramine HCI. Yeah, which is the that's like this the over the counter sleep aid thing, which is which is a version control continuous development drug. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I amuse myself. Um, yeah. So I, I, I just don't like taking drugs for stuff like where the you have a health like a beneficial byproduct. Because I assume that's the kind of stuff that's gonna like just destroy your liver or whatever. Like isn't that the thing where like ty- a Tylenol like eventually if you take too much it just kills your insides? Well, I mean, I think if you take it, you know, multiple times a day, every day for a long period of time, sure. I, I'm, you know, I fall into the same category as you. I, I really shy away from taking medication unless you know i really have to but benadryl is one of those things where it's it's really really harmless so if you're if you're taking one of those every once in a while to help you get a good night's sleep i i think there's very little downside to that again not a doctor but yeah but this, I, I think that's pretty safe advice yeah but the, but that's not there's no uh peer-to-peer payments angle to this and that's that's all vcs care about there's no there's no, wait actually there probably is we work got funded so i'm sure a soft bank would fund my startup of just mailing benadryl to people then isn't isn't then soft bank run out of money now that they've had to bail we work out no no the saudi we're not getting into this they have plenty of money <laughs> yeah um okay so let's yeah that's mostly it um okay we've, yeah, we've, we've got a, we've got a lot of stuff to get to i mean not not to belittle your sleeping trouble i i, I wish you the best night's sleep but no no i'm sure i'll be thinking about it until 2 30 a.m um okay let's i mean there's there's a clear there's a clear first thing we have to talk about i think what's that it's like your most exciting story you've ever put in the thing i've never seen that many rotating red lights um, so we talked about this when um, probably around uh, WWDC time when in iOS 13, like I, again, do not care about most iPad things. It seems like iOS 13, even though my total screen time on it is like always less than five minutes. And that's basically just me updating apps on it. Um, the biggest feature of iOS 13 for me was that they finally added um, support for external media where you could plug in a flash drive, an SD card, um and some external hard drives and you could access it through the files app um, and kind of have like a little it's still very stripped down and not feature complete compared to the finder but you could um yeah you could plug in an sd card and do more with it than just have it jump you into photos and dump all your photos into the camera roll so it took a while so ios 13 has been it's been buggy but it's been out since uh late september and Adobe and a bunch of other photo people said that they were going to take advantage of that feature. And um, I actually think that Adobe came out with it rather quickly. I mean, it's it's been three months, but um, it's really, really fully baked and, and a pretty great feature. So if you are a 
Adobe Creative Cloud uh, member, you can get the full version of Lightroom and Photoshop for an iPad or an iPhone. And the way this new direct import feature works is you can either plug the camera in directly. I think that's only supported on the iPad Pro just for power draw reasons. Uh, but on the iPhone, the way I normally do it is just using the Lightning to SD card adapter. So you plug that in when Lightroom's open, it opens up a little dialog box that says direct import. Um, and it just imports directly into the app. So it doesn't, like if I'm out shooting for the day, it's not going to dump 700 photos into my camera roll that I then have to delete later. And I mean, and I developed like a decent workflow to kind of mitigate that where I had a um, a smart album that would identify by camera model. So whenever I didn't need those photos anymore, I could uh, quickly delete them from iCloud. But still, it was it was just a waste. And when I was traveling, it would then basically upload like five to 10 gigabytes of photos across three devices at times when I usually only had like um, like my mobile hotspot with me. So anyway, so it works great. You can import directly into Lightroom. It also very smartly allows you to either choose uh, just JPEG or just raw images. So that fixes the whole thing that I was doing on my camera where I separated the rights, uh, where I had one card for JPEGs and one card for raw, explicitly for the reason that um, if you plugged in like a card in if, like iOS 12 and before, like raw files, because they were like 50 to 60 megabytes, were, it would just take up too much space and just be too slow. And the iOS photo importer never allowed you to to pick and choose. So overall verdict, uh, fourteen out of ten. This is the best thing ever. This this has capped off. This this makes up for uh, the entire catastrophe that has been the twenty tens. <laughs> so I have a couple of questions for you. Uh, one directly related to this, and then another question that's kind of tangentially related to this. So when the photos are imported into Lightroom. Are they stored in Lightroom? Correct. Or so if you so at the end of your session, if you, if you've imported a hundred photos, if you don't want those photos taking up space on your device anymore, you have to go in and delete them. Yeah, which is much that feels like how you'd want it. Okay, and it also makes it easier where sometimes like like my old system was I would dump an entire card's worth of photos and then just like scroll through and pick the ones I liked and then I favorited them. Because the problem is, like, then if I, like, say I wanted to share one of those photos to Instagram or something, I would have to look through all those photos, whereas if they're in Lightroom, I can only explicitly publish the ones that I want to the camera roll, which makes sharing them much easier. So that's the that's actually my tangential question, which I um, realized I forgot to ask when we were talking about the camera stuff last week, uh, which is, do you keep photos from your fancy camera on your iPhone? It sounds like the answer is generally no, except for maybe some favorites. Yeah, this is the part where um friend of the show John Syracuse, he he puts all of his his even though he's got a um an A6300 and he's an, doesn't have a full frame Sony, he so the files are smaller. He just uses photos.app for it. Perplexing. Um so yeah, no. Uh, I other than a few favorites or things that I've explicitly like exported um, no, once, once I'm done with an event or I've like picked and chosen whatever I wanted to, uh, that gets deleted from iCloud and Lightroom. Then I have a, um, there's a plugin that eventually you'll probably use for, uh, Jeff. Uh, it's got a weird name, but if you could, if you just Google for Jeffrey's Lightroom plugins, um, he's actually a fantastic, uh, developer, but he has a little plugin where you can basically say, Hey, just import or like export uh, routinely, just like 
the most up-to-date set of just like 24 megapixel exports of my entire Lightroom library. And then I have that sync up to Amazon Photos. So then I at all times have every fancy camera photo I've ever taken, but it's siloed away from all my phone photos. Is this Jeffrey Friedel? Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, probably. Oh, his stuff is good. He, he's been doing it for like over a decade. He he makes fantastic stuff. Essentially, the thing of the thing. That that's the thing. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Like I can't. I can't be putting erroneous links in the show notes here. So. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, so I guess to go back to the Syracuse thing for a second, I actually think that makes sense to me. What he does, um, because one of one of the things I think a little bit about as I start to use the standalone camera is. A huge benefit to the camera role is if you're out and about and there's a photo that you want to show someone, you know, if an, if an iPhone's your only camera, you, you know that photo is going to be instantly there available on your device. Whereas if you've taken a photo with your fancy camera and you don't have it in your camera role, but you, there comes a moment where you want to show someone a photo, I guess unless you've done this process that you just described where you've favorited it and saved it to your device you're not going to have access to it well no so that whole second half of what i love this plugin is is what solves that so i can because if you're a prime member you get unlimited photo storage on amazon photos um it now allows me to have basically fifteen thousand photos or twenty thousand photos that are uh exclusively in lightroom available on all of my ios devices and i can search them by date and location and all that kind of stuff so, no, it's still totally available with me at all times. Okay. But you are right that it kind of does make sense to have them together. But I guess my issue is just that photos.app is just a, a horrendously bad raw photo editor. Well, sure. So, yeah. like, yeah, sure, that's not, yeah, like, I feel like that if it was a competent editor, if you weren't, like, somebody who's super picky, that's where I feel like that would kind of be a decent compromise or be like tolerable but it's not so how how do you when you think of a photo that you want to show someone i guess do you just always know which camera you took it with yes like you don't ever have that situation where you're like oh did i take that on my iphone or did i take that on my fancy camera not really and the thing is like i generally will also maybe sometimes use both like not frequently but like if i'm out at an event or at something like i normally like, I still take a couple of photos with my iPhone. Right. And anything that I would want to share usually will be at uh, carlosgomez.me slash photos. Shameless plug. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So overall, this is a fantastic feature. I'm so excited. It was implemented exactly the way I wanted it. So few things. Well, actually, no, we should. We Okay. Well, let's burn through this super fast. But this has been like Christmas in December for us where there have been, <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. Um, where like just app updates have like every, both of us, I think we've had at least two unique ones where just reading release notes were like this is this is a gift. Right. So for me, yeah. it's been this, and also now the Phil's app allows in-app tipping, which is great. I'm so happy about it. Uh, I know you're still mad you can't order food, but it's 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 great. And Come then on, you Phil's. let's go. Hmm. And you were super jazzed about uh, something TiVo did. Well, they finally updated their iOS app, which only happens once every like 12 to 18 months, like literally. Um, And so when I saw the update come through, I just instantly got really excited that there was an update. 
And then one of the first things I did was download it to my iPad Pro 11 inch um, to see if it supported that device's screen resolution because the biggest issue that I've had with the existing TiVo app is the last time it was updated was before the iPad 11, iPad Pro 11 inch came out. And so whenever you'd go to watch video on it, it would it'd be letterboxed like in both directions because you'd, you'd get the you know letterboxing. <laughs> it just had like a one inch inset. Basically, <laughs> basically it, it was it was really frustrating. Um, but I can happily say that they they now support the iPad Pro 11 inch and video playback is awesome. And from the little I've used of the app so far, it seems like it's a little more stable because I always get like randomly logged out of it and have downloads fail as I'm trying to transfer shows to my device. And I've done a little bit of that stuff in the last couple of days. And so far, it seems like it's working better because something that you pointed out is that one of the items in the release notes was that they now support the TiVo Bolt, which is the model that I have that came out what, a couple years ago yes, at this point it's the bent one yeah oh, don't get me started on that um but i you know i've been using the app with my bolt um ever since i first got that device so i was thinking maybe it wasn't officially supported and now it is which maybe explains some of the um seemingly increased stability i've seen but um in any case the 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 key thing is that that iPad 11 inch screen resolution. I'm stoked about that. Very, you know, niche use case because I can't imagine the number of people who a are still on TiVo, b download shows from their TiVo to their iOS device, and c have specifically an 11 inch iPad Pro uh, is probably very very small. Um, but nonetheless, I'm happy that TiVo's finally addressed this. There'll be an update next week to add uh, pre-roll ads to all your recordings. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's going to happen, right? I haven't heard anything about that in a while. I did. Wasn't there something that they were maybe scaling that back or something? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm going to cancel the TiVo because have you seen, have you, oh, well, you haven't been home yet, but ever since the, um, and I assume you didn't bring the, um, the TiVo and take over your in-laws uh, home theater, but <laughs> just <laughs> no. be like, no, get Move over. I need my recordings. They have direct TV anyway, so that wouldn't Oh, worked. so you get the Genie. The what now? Isn't their DVR called the Genie? I don't think they have the one the, with the... Is that the one with the voice remote? No, no. It is called the direct TV Genie. Um, and I always keep forget. I always forget that ATT owns uh, direct TV. Uh, no, a Dish Network is the one that had the hopper that kept getting sued. Oh, yeah. Um, was it about TiVo? Oh, cause, but the worst thing is, like, I'm can- I'm canceling TiVo. The thing is, they they made an update where even if you're not bothered by the pre-roll ads, they now have their TiVo Plus service, which just has, like, these just absolute, like, garbage content providers. Like, there's nothing that you'd want to watch in there. There's something called Fail Army. Um, What is it? Yeah, uh... Film rise and a bunch of like a bunch of random crap that nobody wants, um, and they basically have that. There's two lines in every guide screen, like as you page through the what's on TV thing, that are just advertising this, and there's no way to turn it off. And that's new this month, so it's it's infuriating. 
Yeah, I, w- I was getting to the point where... Um, so one of the biggest reasons I like TiVo is because of the ability to download recordings to my iPad and then watch them when I travel. And I, I've gotten so sick of the trouble that I've had doing that and then the whole screen resolution thing on my specific iPad that I was actually just about to start going down the rabbit hole of like looking into a sling box. Cause I think those don't, don't still exist. Do they no. see? I, I don't, I, I didn't, you know, this app update came out before I, I went down that rabbit hole, but I, I think sling boxes, you know, they let you obviously do live streaming. And I think they also did let you download stuff. Maybe I, 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 again, I didn't, I didn't really, <laughs> look into it so i just sent you a link they pivoted apparently they make live streaming technologies for drones now yeah apparently like the class yeah they're 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 doing a a late stage pivot and they're not going to be a thing anymore okay oh well good thing this tivo app update came out then yeah (laughs) we did the research we did the math turns out you like a good deal our research shows that 10 out of 10 people would like to save money and watch tv Oh, tab closed. All right. Um, oh, whoops. Actually, I needed that browser window. Okay. Um, Untitled Goose Games coming to Xbox One. Cool. Uh, Ryan uh, used Smart Summon, and it was good? Yeah. So I, speaking of uh, niche use cases, so I, I, ha- I think I've identified like the one good and more importantly safe use for Smart Summon. Um, so the, the lady friend and I stayed at a hotel this past weekend when we arrived, it was just absolutely pouring rain. Um, we, but fortunately where the lobby was, there was, you know, one of those little like overhang things. Um, so we, you know, parked the car underneath there, got all of our bags out of the car, got all the bags inside. Um, and then the lady friend checked us in and then I went and and parked the car and then, you know, ran back to the lobby. But as part of the check-in process, one of the things they required us to do was put a little parking permit thing on my dashboard. Mm -hmm. And I had parked the car not very far away from this little main, uh, covered entrance area. Um, and it was continuing just to pour down rain. And it was, pre- it was pretty late in the evening. There was nobody else around. Um, and I kind of thought, you know, this is like actually kind of a legit use for Smart Summon. And it's, again, a safe time to use it because there was no pedestrians, no other cars moving around, etc. Um, so I did it. And it, it worked. Uh, car came. And, you know, it, it kind of it did the same thing that it did the only other time that I tried it in that empty parking lot, which we talked about on the show where it's, it's just, it's just very unsure of itself, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the covered entrance area that it pulled into was kind of rounded, you know, it was, it was kind of like a horseshoe type shape. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the last thing it kind of had to do was goes go through this bend and it, it did it, but it just, it did it in a very hesitant, unsure sort of way. Um, but nonetheless, it worked, and I was able to uh, put the put the permit in the car, hop in the car, and then go park again 
um, and then, you know, get wet anyway, because then I, then I had to, <laughs> had to walk back to the hotel, but at least, you know, I didn't get, uh, I guess I didn't, less I, wet. I didn't get the permit wet, which was just a piece of paper. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> so anyway, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was, uh, was kind of neat. And, um, you would have very much appreciated, uh, the fact that in, you know, in my kind of, um, T word, um, excited way, when I thought of this idea that, Hey, this would actually be like a cool use for smart summon. I like excitedly, uh, told the lady friend and she's, her response was something to the effect of, okay, yeah, that's great. I'm just going to wait in here. <laughs> wait, she, she didn't even watch it. That's so no. much better. <laughs> she had, she had no interest. Oh, you got, that's nice, dear. That's fucking great. Yeah. I thought you would have appreciated that. Yeah. Uh, go play with your five thousand pound RC car. I'll be, I'll be over here in the heat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh man, good. All right, good story. Uh, and then uh, last thing, we're actually gonna skip part of this. Uh, wired versus wireless CarPlay. Did we talk about the no port iPhone rumor last week? I think that came out like right after we recorded last week. Yeah, so we'll do this super fast. So the, was it a Ming-Chi Kuo rumor or was it somebody else? Yeah, it was, it was uh, Roger Kuo. Yeah. Um, so they, there's a rumor that the 2022 iPhone that's in the pipeline is going to be entirely portless. I think, I think it's like one of the, isn't it one of the 2021 phones? I don't think so. 80% confident uh, it's 2022. Hmm. Uh, but maybe. Um, but the rumor is that it's going to have no, it's, no ports. It's, it's, it's 2021. Hmm. Which is which is part of the, the part of the reason why this rumor is so crazy is like the idea of a portless iPhone like in a infinite time scale doesn't seem that crazy, but in like less than two years that seems kind of nuts. It's still silly uh, for just so many many reasons. But yeah, the whole point is that yeah, so they got rid of the headphone jack because they were courageous with the iPhone Seven. Also, they probably just wanted to uh, prime prime the pump, as uh, Donald Trump would say. Um, uh sales of the airpods because it's so much easier like i i actually think that was one of the smart not smart in like a societal good but it was smart for them to uh, uh take away the headphone jack early not that it was necessary to make the iphone 10 because it absolutely wasn't and whenever anybody brings it up i always get so annoyed they're like oh yeah they did it because they need a room for the screen samsung i mean they finally with the note 10 uh gave in to not having a headphone jack but they have had edge-to-edge screens that go further than the iphone and have had a headphone jack with better waterproofing for years. So that's, that's not a thing. But yeah, but the fact that they removed the headphone jack early made the AirPods even that much more essential. Like, they're a good product on their own, but I don't think AirPods would have been as successful if the headphone jack was still there. So I, th- I think that was kind of actually a shrewd move with that. And it wasn't, it wasn't courage. It was um, just smart business, uh, which Apple still sometimes does. Not, not a lot. You know, this TV bet's going to go bust, but it's okay. But yeah, the, the there's supposed to be no ports on the twenty apparently twenty twenty one high end iPhone, which kind of doesn't really make sense. Just because I like I know Apple's whole thing is like they they will just make design decisions and and people will defend them till the end of time. But like I just don't see the upside. Like they they don't have their own first party proprietary wireless charger. The wireless charging on the iPhone is not a proprietary standard the wireless charging on the iPhone is actually leaves a lot to be desired. Like regular people have a decent amount of trouble centering the iPhone on a charging pad. Like if you don't have the one of the ones where it's a stand, 
Like there's definitely a sweet spot on an iPhone to get it to charge. And I think regular people would be super pissed if even if Apple threw a wireless charger in every box, if they put it on the charger and it it was dead in the morning because they didn't center it perfectly. So like that doesn't make any sense. The Jason Snell competing theory of like it's going to have like a smart connector on steroids, maybe kind of probably not. And even and even if that is true, I don't see how that's better than just having a lightning port yeah like i mean the the waterproofing angle i don't really buy that either because i just don't think apple cares enough to actually stand behind it like samsung samsung does um on their water resistant phones and just the 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 trade-off like because not having any ports is, is going to be kind of a hassle no matter what the solution around it is yeah because you can't do remote tech support at all like you're if, if something happens to your iphone with like a botched software upgrade it's basically going to be go to the apple store and that that's going to make apple stores even worse yeah and so i don't that kind of permanent inconvenience i don't think is worth the trade-off of having the occasional situation where your iphone right your iphone's increased waterproof this you know um or i what's what's the um the rating that they the the i the ipx 67 or whatever yeah like having a higher of that rating doesn't seem like it'd be worth um all the trade-offs i so you know uh roger quo generally pretty good um he has been off on a few things and i think I think this is an example of where I think there's probably something to this. Like I am sure that at the very least Apple has considered an iPhone with no port, but I, the timeline doesn't add up. And the idea of only putting this in their highest end iPhone also doesn't make sense to me. Like if, if anything, the iPhone without any ports would be like the low end iPhone. So something's not, something seems a little off with this rumor. So I, I don't doubt that somewhere out there in the world, Apple's considering an iPhone with no ports, but the timing and the model that this would first come to, I, I don't think is right. I think some, I think some wires are getting crossed here. What if there are no wires to cross? <laughs> nice. No, no, um, that's day, uh, day, day fed. Wait, uh, wall drill. <clears throat> I'm slow. Um, why? I mean, why? Why can't the iPhone just have USB C? I it 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 would just make everything because then they couldn't manufacture those uh, hecking confusing lightning to USB C cables. Which, if you, even for somebody who knows what both of those things are, if you're not paying attention, you're going to plug it in the opposite way. <sighs> Because that's what because the 11 Pro came with that, right? Because it has the new like 18 watt charger or whatever, where it's USB C to Lightning. Yes, it's a very confusing cable. Um, but anyway, the, sorry, that was a five minute diversion. The whole point reason we were talking about this is that uh, wired versus wireless CarPlay. Um, uh, at not Johnny, I, I don't I don't use Twitter. Is is it at fake Johnny Ive or at not Johnny Ive? I think it's at at not Johnny Ive. Yeah, uh, he made a a really uh actually salient point uh in the form of a joke as always which was that um like rest in peace every iphone without wireless carplay which basically means every non-bmw because i think they're the only people that do wireless carplay ford ford has announced that 
um, their most of their 2020 lineup is going to have wireless CarPlay as part of uh, Sync 4. But but yeah, to to your point, still a very like nascent thing. So unless you buy a like high end or very very new car, if you buy the nice iPhone in a year and a half, you just won't be able to do CarPlay anymore. Right. Yeah. So that 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 that, that was the only reason we bring that up. Uh, have you in your? We don't have to get back into the car search specifics. We'll check back in maybe next week on that. Um, but it, through your searching, have you had the chance to try out a wireless CarPlay system? I have not, and I've watched a couple of video reviews, and apparently, it's not as reliable as it needs to be. It, it, may, it makes sense, and I I assume that you know, like I had brought up the point when I was talking about CarPlay last week that, and maybe this is a little bit more specific to just like a rental car context but i just love the fact that you just plug in your phone and there's no configuration or setup at all yeah. and i assume with wireless carplay there's at least some type of like a bluetooth type pairing oh, process yes, or something yeah. yeah yeah so yeah uh and uh related uh bmw finally dropped their their dumb pay 95 dollars a year to use carplay thing good riddance Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So super fast. Uh, better call. Eh, we should probably say this because it's the only we only talk about one TV show a year on this show. Even though I keep trying to get you to watch <laughs> Succession. Um. Better Call Saul season five is coming back next year on February late February something like that February twenty third and twenty fourth. And they're doing a yeah back to back. So it's like a two part uh season premiere. Is this the final season? I, I was just going to say that the thing that's just occurring to me now when I read this um, article last week or the week before is that I don't think there was any mention of this being the final season. So I, I guess it's not. Yeah, did a command F for final. No, nothing. Uh, okay, cool. It's, it's um, got to be season. Like this, this has to be the uh, penultimate season, as you would say. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, a weird story that came out this week that I think you will try not to have a lot to say about, but will actually have lots to say about? Sure. Okay. Open up this tab. So was this, did this come out on last Friday? When did this come out? Uh, December 5th, which was the day after we recorded. Um, so the story that came out in The Verge by Zoe Schiffer is Emotional Baggage, a way found, a ways founder sold a vision of travel and inclusion, but former employees say it masked a, tox a toxic work environment. So I'm going to frame this the way I think it should be framed, and you, and you can push back and tell me if I'm wrong. This felt like a weird hit piece where if you if you read this in its entirety, and, and did you? Or do you skim it? I I didn't I didn't skim it, but I also did not quite get to the end of it. Yeah, it was, it was a long one. Um, but I read most of it. Yeah, this was a weird hit piece on the company that tried to paint a way as though like it was an actual bad company like Uber. Is that wrong? Like the severity, like we'll we'll talk about what is alleged and whether or not that's okay or what how um serious it is. But like it felt like it was being framed like it was actually a company like doing bad things like uber fair I, I i guess so yeah yeah like 
Uh, so the whole point is, so there's two co-founders of Away. There is Steph Corey and Jennifer Rubio. And uh, uh, Rubio is more of a, like, I guess, like, maybe a biz dev and, like, uh, like more, um, like, tastemaker. Like, I don't know. I think she's more on, like, the non-operations and businessy side. Like, I assume she does both, but she's more on, on that side where Corey's role is... Um, operations and customer experience and then growing the business and all that kind of stuff. And I, I guess the gist of the complaints is one that apparently it was agreed upon that away had a policy where basically you don't use email. Everything happens on Slack and it doesn't happen in a DM. So basically that everything about the company is quote unquote transparent. You can, you can uh, have an opinion as to whether or not that's a good idea or if that's dumb and kind of shitty. I mean, I'd probably lean closer towards that's really lame. Um, but yeah, their whole thing is that no email, everything's in public. And as such, uh, Corey was very um, active in Slack. And when things went poorly at the company or the customer experience team was falling behind or there were issues operationally, she would um, uh, make her displeasure or make an example out of somebody in public because none of this happened over email. And I think that's most of the complaints. Also, there was a, a side story about um, a group of employees that I think... It, it, so when a coworker invited to a private Slack channel called a hashtag or... How do you, how do you say Slack channels? You don't say hashtag, right? I don't think I've ever actually said a Slack channel out loud, so I couldn't tell you. Okay. So the Hot Dash Topics uh, channel filled with LGBTQ, LGBTQ folks and people of color. She was relieved. So basically, the it was, it was a place for uh, employees to vent, but they did it on a private channel on the company Slack, which I... I that part's tricky because like i guess like why why would if you feel like maybe the company doesn't uh allow like open expression like why would you create a channel to talk shit about your company or complain about stuff that you know like uh somebody above you could join into or it has logs of like that doesn't make any sense to me but apparently those people who were involved in that who used um, a lot of foul language and maybe said some uh, inappropriate things in, got fired, um, which, I mean, I feel like that's not a super controversial thing. Like, if you can just have, like, a group iMessage going if you just want to, like, uh, shoot the shit about work. Like, I, I don't see why that should happen on a company Slack. But... Anyway, but I think most of it is just basically somebody fed a story to The Verge where there's just a ton of uh, Slack screenshots where um, uh, the CEO uh, w that I would characterize as overly aggressive management and sometimes micromanagement techniques. And a lot of times, I mean, I would say it's, it's probably shitty management. Like it's maybe somebody who's not a terrific manager. But the way the whole thing was framed as like this weird like expose on a terrible company like i i don't that doesn't really match up for me and most of the offenses of Corey as as an overly aggressive manager like i really feel like this is stuff that if it was a guy wouldn't be framed this way i i don't know 
please tell me if I'm wrong or if you want to uh, plead the fifth. I mean, I don't, it, it's, I guess it's, it, I don't, I don't want to push back, plead the fifth or abstain or whatever. But I guess my response is just, I think with a lot of these types of stories where you're talking about internal company culture. So I, I think you're, you're smartly separating something like this from the Ubers of the world. Well, cause they're doing actual bad in a lot of ways where like skirting the law and other stuff like that's, that's bad that leaves the walls of corporate exactly so those types of stories are a little more clear-cut because they impact sort of society at large and are are bigger than just internal company culture they stem from that culture but then the problems are bigger than that this is sort of an entirely internal management issue and um I think with this type of problem, it's just if you're not inside those four walls, it's or if you're not inside those Slack channels, as it were, I just I just don't know if we're ever really going to get the exact sort of like full story and have the full context of what's happening. Now, I mean, maybe maybe the situation truly is as bad as this Verge article portrays it to be. But I, I guess I just don't think we could ever say for sure. Like, I know maybe that's a little bit of a cop-out answer, but... Yeah, but, like, we hear, and, like, I mean, you're way more tech-adjacent than I am, but, like, it just feels like bad managers or people who maybe abuse power, like, it feels like that's kind of common, and not that it should be accepted, but that this isn't really that remarkable, where somehow this leads to the ousting or replacement of a CEO maybe earlier than would have happened. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I just feel like there are probably like shitty managers everywhere. And this just feels like such a weird thing to frame a really successful startup that makes a product. A lot of people like, like in this, like this is equivalent with Uber or like, like, I don't know, just people who do legitimate bad versus somebody who had a boss that wasn't great. Or or like did passive aggressive shitty things. So so what do you so what do you think about this Gruber angle? Um, so so I'll I'll read you sort of like the two key sentences from from his article, which basically summarizes the the point that he's getting at, which is uh, so quoting here. So I think it's pretty clear that the Verge inadvertently got played. They got fed the story and ran with it in a way that pinned all of the company's purported cultural problems on Corey. So now the narrative is not a way fires woman CEO and co-founder replaces her with a man. Instead, the narrative is a way fires CEO who created toxic culture brings in fresh leadership, a narrative that wouldn't be possible without the Verge's story. So what, what do you make of that? I think it's dead on. That's where I frame this like as a hit piece, just because it's so like every possible slight is just like so amped up and everything is framed as this like tormenting leader. Like it's just so, I don't know, like so deliberate and not, um, what's the phrase when like you try to, like not is dispassionate isn't the word, but it doesn't try to not have a side. 
like this was very much written as there isn't like this is just a tyrannical leader and that abused employees like there is no possible ambiguity about the way the author of this feels or at least with like mike um, like mike isaac's reporting on uber even if it wasn't specifically like, it was just a cultural issue um well, no, that's never mind. I'm going to backtrack on that example because, again, most of the um, internal culture stuff at Uber was actually like there was actual like maybe um, legal harm done, like with with like sexual harassment and stuff. Whereas this, there wasn't any. It was it was just being mean to employees, maybe. Yeah, like no, I I feel like that's exactly right. Where sure, it sounds like the uh, that. Um, like uh, Steph Corey herself said that uh, she was undergoing executive coaching and stuff like that and were was aware that there were issues with her leadership style. Like, again, had this not come out, probably wouldn't have been very forthcoming with that. And it sounds like the company was already ready to move on to different leadership in that regard. But I think like it's just it seems like too much to be a coincidence that this story wasn't to make that transition easier. And I have I can't even really uh, begin to say who is to blame for that or who would have necessarily been the one feeding the story but yeah like something just feels weird about it where it feels like the verge and this author in particular was just kind of too excited to have an uber like story in kind of like this anti-tech wave yeah and then the fact that she gets replaced three days later by uh, some dude at from Lululemon is just kind of just more, more fuel for the fire. I don't know. So I, it's like, it's like, what's more depressing here, the conduct or assuming that this kind of Gruber theory is true. Just the, the type of cynicism that would go through manufacture manufacturing a story like this like not not that maybe not manufacturing the underlying facts but kind of manufacturing a narrative out there to ensure that this story came out at a certain time to then uh, go through with an executive change like framing that change in a way that you wanted like that's pretty crappy too it's this this is bad this is bad from all angles. I mean, and she's not gone, right? Like isn't she still like chairman of the board or whatever? Like she's she's uh, not it's, it's kind of it's is it a ceremonial that's, title? That's that's it's sort of what that's sort of what every company does. It's this is the this is the Johnny Ive is starting his own consulting business. Oh, and, and Apple's going to be its biggest customer starting. Eh, sure. Yeah. I mean, this, this is companies always find a way to make it seem as if departing executives are going to be around the company for some period of time. But in practice, I'm not sure how true that is. Yeah. Uh, before we leave this, if, if people scroll maybe 70% of the way down this very, very long article, there's one passage that rings very true for me as an example of bad leadership, which I think, I mean, if, if you've probably experienced this in one way or another, um, the example is a uh, high customer experience management. I know this group is hungry for career development opportunities. And in an effort to support you in developing your skills, I'm going to help you learn the career skill of all bold accountability. What you are accountable for is solving the problems of customers struggling to reach us on all platforms, blah, 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 blah. And basically her uh, lesson in accountability is to prevent you from taking any paid time off. That one is kind of, it's terrible, but it, I feel like everybody has had in their life, like a, an example of like 
a shit sandwich like that of somebody who is not a good leader. You can plead the fifth. Well, no, I mean, I've definitely not had anything remotely close to something like this. But a learning opportunity framed as punishment. Whether or not it's withholding something that you should actually be entitled to as a um, agreed upon perk of the job. Or maybe it's work for a bad company. Maybe. No, I, I, I mean, I've, I, you know, I, I definitely haven't like worked with like <laughs> perfect people across the board. But, but no, I, I've, I've not personally experienced anything quite like that. Hmm. All right. Well, interesting story. Even though I think it's a bad article and mostly a hit job, I think people should actually read this just because it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, and wow, it's, it's, it's a lot of words. Yeah, it's probably like a, a good 20 minute read. I don't know. Throw it in its paper, but actually read it. Not like everything else in its paper. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Uh, I think there were a couple other things. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you'll throw the link to the Gruber thing in here. And then, oh, actually, this is the one last thing we'll end on with this particular topic. And then we'll rush through one other thing before chef specials. Um, the, the the victory lap that the Verge took, where uh, away replaces CEO after Verge investigation. Sometimes this happens with like the New York Times and others, where they talk about like themselves, like they they very very strongly suggest that it was their reporting that caused anything to happen. I don't know. That also kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Anyway, uh, what quick topic do we have before Chef Specials, and that'll keep us to a tight hour. I kind of want to. I want to hit on the Mac Pro. Oh, wheels. Ah, yeah. new wheels. So the the long-awaited uh, Mac Pro finally became available to order yesterday, December 10th. I think I saw Jason Snell had a tweet that it was like 980-something days since Apple gathered a handful of uh, um, the Apple, you know, the Grubers and the jason sells of the world into a room and kind of told them about their revamped pro hardware plans uh so almost a thousand days didn't <laughs> the, quite make it that far the john syracuse i won't stop talking and complaining meeting <laughs> right um so you know let, let's um let's let's get this caveat out of the way to begin with like i 1000 percent get that this is not a consumer product should not be viewed in any way like a consumer product that professional um, hardware, software, tools, whatever, is just, it's a, it's a different thing with different pricing structures and all of that. Like, I 1,000% understand that. But with that all being said, there are still just a couple of incredible pricing-related things that I think are worth pointing out. So the first is, so the base model starts at, is it like 5700 something like that? No, it's an even 6. It's an even 6, okay. <laughs> it amazingly includes a 256 gigabyte hard drive, which is just uh, just, you know, just wonderful. Uh, the the audacity of that is is actually um pretty impressive. Um and then the, of course the the other big thing which you alluded to is so one of the kind of uh jokes that's been going around is um how much the wheels were going to be because apple 
kind of famously said that they were going to be an option when they announced the Mac Pro, but they didn't get into any kind of specifics. And, you know, um, given the fact that they announced a $1,000 stand for the monitor, I think people <laughs> were kind of expecting uh, the wheels to also be expensive. But in my mind, this has to be like even worse than what anybody could have possibly thought the worst case scenario would be because not only are they $400, but you have to decide at the time of purchase whether you want them or not. So in other words, it's it's not something that you can buy later and they're they're not changeable, meaning that, you know, when you have the wheels, the wheels are what you have and there's no going back and forth between them and just your regular feet. Which again, just just incredible. So I don't think that's entirely true. It's that they're not user serviceable. Like some tech note was saying that you can take them to an Apple authorized service center to get your wheels put on. which is also still ridiculous but (laughs) yes or we can just put it on like like what's the thing you use to get underneath a car just put your mac pro on that you know the little thing with the four wheels that you go to change the oil you should know when you're tesla yeah there you go yeah um so yeah so i was thinking i was thinking about something when, when this came out yesterday i think apple made one mistake with the mac pro I think if they would have undone this one thing, I think everything about it would be the way that it was perceived would be totally different. They should not have announced this at WWDC. The Mac Pro should have been announced in exactly the way that the 16-inch MacBook Pro was announced. It's a small group of people. You bring them in. You give them review units. You let everybody do their write-ups. You kind of quietly release it into the market. Like, I think announcing this, I mean, I, I get that WWDC isn't like a consumer keynote, like on its face, but the way that it's covered is it's it's basically one of two major Apple events that happens every year. It, it's basically a public facing thing. And so to mix, to mix that in with the rest of your other announcements, like iOS 13 and all of your other sort of more consumer facing things, I think was a huge mistake. And I think if they would have just not done that, then a lot of the uh, silliness around the way that it's been covered would have just gone away. That's, this seems like such an unforced error on Apple's part. Uh, respectfully disagree. Do you think back to when you were a kid? Did you ever go to the CompUSA when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. It was like CompUSA, Circuit City, Best Buy. We'd go. We'd always go to at least one of those every weekend. So before there were Apple stores, uh, CompUSA always had an Apple store within a store in the back. Um, and the the Power Mac G4, and it actually mostly the, the Power Mac, was the, the Power Mac G5 was the first cheese grater, right? You would, you'd know better than me. Yeah, the, the G4 was not, right? It was the, those are the ones that looked like, yeah, no. So the G5. So I remember that paired with first the 27-inch and then later the 30-inch cinema displays. Those were, it was like walking past the, um, like I assume it's, again, to keep going back to John Syracuse, like it's like walking by a Ferrari. Like it, it, it's such, it's, it's a branding exercise versus a computer. Apple knows it's a computer nobody's going to buy, 
But I think symbolically, it's a really important product to have. And I think that's why it made sense to have it introduced at WWDC, because to have something that represents Apple's alleged commitment to continuing with the Mac and having a very, very, very niche but powerful like flagship uh, computer is really important. It's, it's, yeah, I, 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 I disagree with most of that. Cause I think all like, even if they had done a really quiet release where they just did like small press briefings and all the reviews still trickled out, like the pricing wouldn't be any different. So like, I don't, think it actually matters because like the the peanut gallery on twitter making dumb jokes about you can you can price it to fifty three thousand dollars even though like compare that to any other computer that has a terabyte and a half of ram which is like an unfathomable amount like i i i all the hate against this i am not an apple defender by a mile but like i think this most of this is kind of silly i think it's important for apple to have something like this that's um just like an aspirational and for most people unobtainable is the wrong word but it's kind of like a it's it's not something that you would ever buy but it's just a like it's a symbol that they need to make and if this happens to be a branding exercise that they sell only to a very 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 small audience of people and john syracusa and ever for otherwise it's just a thing on their website and it like where they only have one of them in an apple store so people can just walk by and say "Ooh, look at that that works that's a much better use of money than Apple TV. Yeah, but I think so. I think everything you just said is is fine. But I think you're making the argument for the product existing, which I which I don't have a problem with. And I actually I agree with the idea that Apple should, especially after the last handful of years, go out of their way to to show that they're recommitting themselves to the Mac and to professionals. Like I, I get that, and both the Mac Pro and the Pro Display. XDR should exist for that purpose, but you can still have this product exist and not announce it at a public-facing event. But it's a public product. I, I think WWC but it's, was but it's, the. But it's, it, it's not a public product, though. It is. I mean, it, it's weird to it. So I guess it's weird to me that the 16-inch MacBook Pro came out via a press release, and this professional product came out. Like it almost it feels like the, the it should have been reversed. Still disagree. I I think the because because the 16 inch MacBook Pro that's an interesting product because it's Apple fixing an error that they stood by for three years and continued to sell a defective product to people because they were too uh, ashamed or too too or sorry not ashamed too proud to apologize for making a shitty keyboard that was designed defective. The Mac Pro was different where they tried to redesign it. It didn't work. Sure, it was a niche product, but they sat on it for six years, and it's a symbolic thing that tells a developer community, which is why it was released at a developer event, that, hey, we still care about the Mac, even though we keep trying to pretend like we're, we keep trying to make iPad a thing. We understand for a lot of things, it might not be a thing for a very long time. So here's this thing. No, I, I, I think WWDC was the perfect audience for it. The fact that WWDC has become much closer to a consumer event than it had in the past. Like, I think that's not necessarily their fault. I mean, well, it is their fault, but that's not, I don't think that takes away for why the Mac should or shouldn't be there. Hmm. I agree to disagree. <laughs> uh, sick wheels though. Um, <laughs> all right. 
You got anything else or chef specials? Let's get to chef specials. What you got? Um, so I've got sort of two that, but they're 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 related to each other very okay. closely. So my 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 pick, my first pick is the Mandalorian, the Pride of Disney Plus, the first live action Star Wars show. It's really really good. It's good because it's Star Wars and it moves the the Star Wars story forward in an interesting way. It's good even if you put aside all that Star Wars stuff. It's just an excellent TV show. Um but my kind of like second-ish related pick to it is I love the fact that they have been releasing new episodes weekly, just one per week. I think the the build up each week is really, really cool. Um and it's so much better than just having all episodes dumped at the same time. Like I love the I love the the build up each week to each episode. The only minor criticism I would have is they they put it out at I I think like basically like overnight like from thursday to friday like sometime like either really like sometime really really early friday morning so you kind of have to like avoid spoilers for you know like friday afternoon and early evening and then watch it friday night be it'd be a little nicer if it came out like later in the day on friday but um other than that I, i love the fact that it's it's been coming out weekly so can I get clarification? Have we've talked about binging versus uh, weekly episode drops in the past? What side of history were you on? I was on the wrong side of history to begin with. I, I liked the Netflix Ooh. data dump model, but okay. then uh, we had an episode a while back where I, I came around. I, I think it was within the context of the um, final season of Game of Thrones, where I really enjoyed the kind of week by week commentary that you wouldn't have gotten. Um, if it all just came out at once. Got it. Okay. Well, cool. Have you at least been able to watch it like slightly with dignity or not dignity, but like, but have you been able to watch it in a dignified manner? Like, have you been able to watch it? Not on an iPad? No. Oh, and the iPad pro does not have an OLED screen, right? No, but it has HDR and stuff. So it, you know, it looks fine. It, it looks fine. Is the Mandalorian a dark show? Not, not content wise, but in terms of like you know, aesthetics, not particularly. No. Okay. So it's it's been fine. Got it. Um No, I'm gonna give people a break. I don't think I have one. Yeah. I'm content with the way everything is. Well you've got your Lightroom update. Oh yeah, make that my show special. And probably proactively uh a Kirkland size box of Benadryl. <laughs> 